Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, this is LA. Welcome back. As usual, I try to listen to sermons on Sundays, particularly my church sermon, of course, and I hope that you feel comfortable enough with the technology and the things that are going on right now to go ahead and do that yourself so you stay in contact with your church. Super important to stay in contact with your church. And whatever faith group that you've got in the church, Sunday school in some churches, small groups in other churches, but it's super important to keep that support going because that is being the church when we help each other lift each other up. So as I was listening to sermons Sunday, came across a sermon that the minister had a a topic of forgiveness, which is a good topic. I mean kind of a hard one sometimes, but uh, it's a good topic. Toward the end of the sermon, though, he got to the point where he was talking about bad things that happen to people. And he was trying to be helpful and encouraging. Okay, But the statement he made was, that no matter how horrible the things that happen to you are, that God is there in control. That God's in control. Well, I guess, um, and, and I don't know why this went sideways on me, because it doesn't sound like anything really big you know like it doesn't sound like something that would just cause uh, a uh, question to pop up in the air like what what are you talking about God's in control but for some reason that popped up in my head and I guess that the reason I said that is because a lot of times Ministers, and as a minister, I've been guilty too. We tend to grab platitudes to encourage people. And we try to say things that are pretty generic, all right? Pretty general. Number one, to try to be encouraging. Number two, so we don't get in trouble. Uh, not the least of which is when you go to visit people in the hospital and they are dying or have been horribly injured permanently and it doesn't apparently look like there's any reason. In fact, now with the coronavirus, uh, there are people who are seemingly healthy and young all their lives, you know, ahead of them, and then they just die, and it just doesn't seem like 
you know, the word everybody keeps gravitating to is fair. It doesn't mean fair. Okay. So when I hear a minister say, everything's going to be all right, God's in control. I just want to smack them, and I don't know why, and and that's not a, a really good thought to have. Okay, I mean I'll, I'm going to be totally, totally upfront. That's not a productive, godly way of looking at that. But the reason that does that to me is because when I was having cancer treatment, and I was alone because it was radiation I was having. I'll be honest, you know, and this was years ago, and God, praise God, he's been healing me ever since, and everything is doing great, okay? But at that time, it didn't feel like God was in control. And I even, there are some people that um, will offer uh, words, try to give you words of comfort, sort of. Uh, and they'll say things like, well, God's just trying to teach you something. You know, Well, what doesn't kill you make you stronger? Well, just take that and just stuff it in your ear. Because, look, Nietzsche said that, for one thing. Nietzsche didn't believe in God. And um, the thing is, is that's not necessarily true. So here's the thought process. What do you do when you're in the middle of something horrible? I mean horrible. And then you have something, well, God is in control. Well, I get what they're saying, all right? And, and, and I'm not losing, losing out on this fact. Yes, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can make anything and everything work to the glory of God and the healing of the person. I believe that. I have been a recipient of that. I believe that. And I've experienced that. So here's what I'm saying, though. When someone is hurting like that, uh, it doesn't really feel like God's in control. Here's part of the complication that we're dealing with because and, and it's really a theological one alright it's not very practical but it's very theological and it works this way the world itself because of sin has sin in it and sin is a degradating degenerative disease on the entire existence of this planet. It tears down. It's the reason we die. It's the reason as you get older you don't stay looking young. I know that's going to sound crazy because there's physical and you know physiological reasons for that but if you believe the Bible is literal, which I do, um, and I'm not going to get into versions, okay? But let's just say 
at one point, there was a guy named Methuselah who lived over 900 years. All right. Well, and then after that, after Noah, lifespan started getting shorter. But the Bible talks about the whole planet aching for Jesus' return, for the healing. Because this world, the way it is now, is not the way it ought to be. And I think everybody's kind of got an idea of that. Because there is sin in the world, okay? That's one thing. But the other thing is this. People, and by people I mean usually ministers of the Protestant evangelical theological variety, usually believe and and feel like that free will is an affront, an op an opposing idea to the sovereignty of God. And I've mentioned this on a prior podcast, but let me just refresh. If God is sovereign, and he is, and sovereignty means he's got all power, all knowledge, all everything, and can control everything. If he can do that, then he can choose not to control certain things as well. Because if you cannot choose not to, then you're not all-powerful. All right? Now, this is, may, may get into a head-scratcher. That's one thing that, that we don't factor into the theology, and that is that God allows us to make decisions and have free will on this planet. Everyone, good, evil, everybody. They get the option of making decisions. That's why you'll find that sometimes there are really, really just no good, evil people that do nice things for certain people. Really nice things. And you'll also see some really, really sweet, sweet people do some pretty crazy, evil junk to some people. We make decisions. We make decisions. Now, one decision, of course, and one person that comes to mind on the on the good end of the stick was, hey, King David. And I've mentioned him before. King David, God said he, he's a friend. He's after my own heart. The dude was an adulterer and a murderer. I mean, he straight up got somebody killed. And it was not just somebody. It was somebody that was sworn to protect him. It was a bodyguard. It was a special guy. And he had him just slap dab killed. All right. So that's what I'm saying. And he paid for it too, by the way. Now, there are decisions that everyone gets to make. There are decisions that muggers get to make. There might be a Christian that gets mugged. And I know it's happened because I've seen it on 700 Club before. You know, they've had people on there. Yes, I, I was attacked. and Some people were attacked in most horrible ways. And they were Christians. Well, what happened to God's protection? God's protection is they're still alive, right? Some, sometimes, sometimes not. So how do you reconcile that? How do you factor that jazz 
How do you factor that jazz in? Well, first of all, we need to get a grip on where we're at. Okay, we're in a world that is predisposed to doing bad stuff to you. If if it can, all right. There are some good things, but there's a lot of bad stuff too. Jesus, Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, he this, he was talking to his disciples at this point and doing some teaching. He said at the end of his explanations, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Okay. Now, this word peace in the Greek is more of a word. It's uh, We think of peace as the absence of conflict, but that's not necessarily it. It's a security. It's something that cannot be removed from you. It is a security within yourself that God is with you, all right? But he says that you may have peace, and then he says, in the world you will have tribulation. Now this word tribulation is an interesting word as well. Basically, this word is delipsis. Delipsis and... It means pressure, affliction, persecution, anguish. It comes, the base word in Hebrew, or excuse me, in Greek in this situation, actually is referring to a crowd. How you get pressed to where it's just horrible in a, in a crowd. That kind of constant pressure. But Jesus says, But take heart, or have courage. Have courage. I have overcome the world. And this word overcome, this word overcome is, uh, I love the Greek in in here. This word overcome is the word nikeo. Now, nikeo comes from another word that has a, a, a root word, which is Nike. And if you remember the Nike brand, right, of shoe, Nike, or Nike, we say Nike, N-I-K-E, but it's Nike, means victory. So, it's not just, hey, we're overcoming, but yeah, it's done. I've beat it. This world is beaten. I've done it. But you're still in it. Now, the thing is, is Jesus hasn't come back for his prize yet. And when he does, then everything, everyone, on this planet is going to know who the victory is, who the victor is, and that's going to be Jesus. That's going to be Yeshua HaMashiach, me not said it in Hebrew. Jesus, the Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. Yep. 
that's who that's going to be. The question is, are you going to be able to stick with it? Okay. Sticking with it's important. In John chapter 6, Jesus is again teaching and uh, the particular passage uh, in uh, chapter 6 of John 50 and on, uh, he's teaching about his sacrificial substitution, talking about his blood, his flesh, the, the in figurative sense. And by the way, a lot of the Romans did not get that figurative thing. They literally thought, you know, uh, these Christians are cannibals. They're like drinking blood and eating people. But, but Jesus is explaining this, and uh, this is at a uh, synagogue in Capernaum. And many, it says in uh, chapter 6, verse 60, many, therefore, of his disciples... When they had heard this said, whoop, let me back off and do the ESV. There we go. It says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can even listen to it? And the Greek here is basically the fact that this is really scary. <laughs> it's hard and it's, it's almost unhearable. It's like listening to um, because of the uh, the blood of the body references and the death. I mean, they're just like it's just really getting on getting to them. And Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, "Do you take offense at this? Then." What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In other words, listen, if you're, if you're, if you're really just upset about this sacrificial uh, example I'm giving you, then uh, what do you, how are you going to handle it when, <laughs> when I take on my full glory as Messiah? He says... Uh, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Yeah. Then the subcap is, For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. And verse, believe it or not, this next verse that's kind of the capstone is John six sixty six. Whoa. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. No one said being a disciple was easy. No one said we wouldn't be attacked. It says we're going to have tribulation. In fact, Jesus didn't say may have tribulation. He said you are. 
And in another place, he says, look, if they hate me, they're really going to hate you. That's kind of a paraphrase, but they're going to hate you. So, being a disciple costs. It has a cost to it. And when we comfort each other, we need to lift each other up. And when we find one of our brothers and sisters that have been attacked, either physically, mentally, what have you, and either physically, you know, disease or people or situations, you know, especially now in this time, it is so important to lift each other up because that's what a family does. They're supposed to. Family was the first unit ever, the first group ever that God created. That's why the family trumps any other organization. You don't have a church unless you got families in it. You got to have. And that's why God uses that very terminology for his church. That's why Jesus uses that. Brothers and sisters and things. It's important. It's family. But it's the kind of family you want. A good family. Not the kind that the world throws around. So, with that thought in mind, I'm going to try not to go sideways on pastors or preachers that um, use platitudes. You know, well, God is in control. Yes, well, God is in control. But there is a time in this fallen world where a situation situation may not be in control because of free will. But God takes that situation and works it to everyone's good. Especially God's. And especially ours, too. So, take courage, just like Jesus said. Be strong and courageous, just like uh, Moses told Joshua. And keep on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. If you would like to support this ministry, then please go to Patreon under L.A. Blackburn. May God bless every effort you make to do His will in His Word.